You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. And today, I know everyone is just captivated by this episode of Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is the metaverse. We've been doing uh, quite a bit of cryptocurrency, digital collectibles, NFTs on Tech Bites this year. It's really a fun story. There are a lot of chefs and food people getting involved in the trend. In some ways, it's because it's the hot new thing. And as we all become more and more interested in them, you know, restaurants usually follow suit. Restaurants and food people are often trendsetters. But right now, at this point in time in the world, in 2022, a few years into the global pandemic after the world kind of shut down for a little bit, restaurants and food people are looking for secondary easy streams of income to kind of help out their bottom line. And many are looking at NFTs and digital collectibles um, as an easy way to do that and also a way to create community around things people love. Um, And definitely restaurants and food are things people love. So today we have with us Mark Morell, who is the CEO of Get Main Lobster. Mark, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. And he, well, he, they, Get Main Lobster, has just launched Hattie's Bay Club, which is a series of very rare lobster NFTs based around the very rare lobster Hattie. So we have a lot of little details to sort of put into place so we can get to the 7,777 unique NFTs being minted on Rareboard and Bull Society Launchpad right now. Um, Mark, let's back up to Get Main Lobster and let's back up to the whole lobster story and explaining who and what Hattie is um, and then how we get to the NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, Get Main Lobster. So if people want to follow along at home, you go to getmainlobster.com or go to social media at Get Main Lobster. So uh, I founded the business in 2009. And, you know, our focus uh, primarily has been direct to consumer, Maine lobster and seafood. So we're right in Portland, Maine on Union Wharf. And, um, you know, we just obsess over delivering unforgettable moments around the dinner table and, you know, what better to celebrate with than live lobster. So we've been doing this for a while. Um, And it's a fun business. We get to be a part of uh, major milestones in people's lives. Uh, If somebody wants to give an unforgettable gift, you know, lobster feast is always fun. And uh, so we just really focus on that 
you know, trying to, we have, you know, great quality product, wild caught in the Gulf of Maine. Uh, but also it's about the execution part, getting it from Maine to, you know, California is a, uh, is a logistics uh, process that takes a lot of experience, time and focus. So wild caught lobsters in the Bay of Maine, you also have a close relationship with um, the fisher people on the boats and the lobster folks and that relationship is how you discovered Hattie. So now explain to us who Hattie is or what Hattie yeah. is. <clears throat> Hattie is a one in 100 million rare cotton candy colored lobster. And uh, it's a, you know, it's a genetic deficiency. So she's missing a couple of key elements that create the normal color of a lobster shell, which is a defense mechanism, and they're like a dark brown greenish, typically. And a little spotty. Yeah. So their their shell color is camouflage, so that while they're walking around on the bottom of the ocean, they sort of blend into their surroundings so nothing comes to eat them. Right. Essentially. Essentially. <laughs> um, and then Hattie is like, you know, a bright... Um, light bulb <laughs> so her color is amazing and I speak of her in the present tense because she is doing quite well but um, she's has a pearl iridescent sort of shimmer but she's like a very light uh, pale blue with some pink uh, in there it's just really super duper cool color um, so imagine what it was like you know for her surviving without that key, you know, protection of a, of a camouflaged uh, color. So how old was, so, and Hattie just came up in one of the normal, in one of the normal sort of lobster fishing excursions. Yeah. yeah. Just came up with like the rest of the lobsters and there she was. About how, how big and how old yeah, she was about 1.3 pounds, so maybe seven-ish years old. So she'd been around for a little bit. Seven years is a long time. Especially when you are, as you say, um, not camouflaged. Yeah. So that's <laughs> in terms of survive in terms of surviving those seven years, you would have thought she would have been easy, easy pickings. Right, exactly, which is why she's so rare, one in one hundred million. It's it's there's probably a number of lobsters that have that, you know, deficiency. However, they don't survive because they can't hide, you know. Right. And you say she. I don't think of lobsters as being male or female or anything like that. I think of them sort of generically, but you say she, female lobster. Yeah, she's a female lobster. And um, the only way to really tell between a female and a male is that a female has... Um, uh, wider fins uh, at the end of the tail. Uh, that's the best way to tell. Okay. So when did you find Hattie? It was November 12th of 2021. And uh, Billy Coppersmith, he's a lobsterman that we have a strong relationship with. Uh, we acquire 100% of his catch. And he sent me a text of Hattie. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's uh, I think that's a cotton candy 
lobster? And he's like, yeah, that's what the guy said, you know, on the boat. And everybody was just like really, <laughs> really excited. And and he's like, well, she's yours now. And I was like, oh, wow. And uh, I just knew the world was going to fall in love with this, you know, this thing Mother Nature created. And uh, and I was right. She um, she was very, very popular. And um, all over the media, I think she trended in Apple News and Yahoo News. So it was pretty neat. So Hattie goes viral at the end of last year. And then what do you do with her? You said she's alive and well. So where is she currently now? She's at the uh, Seacoast Science Center in Rye, New Hampshire. And uh, funny enough, this is the second lobster that I've saved and sent there. Um, I sent one back in like 2011, I think. Uh, And that was Libby the lobster. Um, so Hattie's down there and I recently just got an updated photograph of her new studio apartment. And, um, (laughs) so, uh, she's going to have, she should have a really long life. Um, you know, lobsters are quite resilient and, and do live long lives as long as nature doesn't get in the way. What is long? Uh, well over a hundred. What's a long life for a lobster? Well over a hundred years. Um, um, it's a hundred years. A lobster can live for a hundred years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, there's, how can you tell how old they are? Um, you predict by their size, you know, so they, how big is a hundred year old lobster? About 15 pounds. Okay. 15 or so. So 15 pounds is how long is that? How long, like inches wise? Oh my gosh. Yeah, just to get a sense of it. I mean, because I'm picturing just like the little two pounder that you would probably have for lunch. I don't know, probably two and a half feet, maybe three feet. Wow. It's big. Okay, so that's big, but it's not like Megalodon big. It's it's not not like it's going to be 100 years old and like be the size of a car. Right. No, (laughs) that would be funny though. Uh, But they say Um, it's possible, right? Supposedly. The rumor is that they don't have to die. Like, they don't die of old age. Wow. A hundred years. That's an amazing thing to think about. Okay, so Hattie is is in a very great place now. So take us through the idea of how Hattie then becomes an NFT. And and before we get there, I mean, you're a... You're a Get Maine, you're the Get Maine Lobster Guy. You're a lobster guy up in Maine. Right. How do you How do you jump from you know, lobster boat to minting on rare board. So I have a background from an early age with computers, like way back uh, early eighties. And so I've always had a lean in the technology side. And then I grew up here in Maine, but, uh, you know, left after high school and went off in college and then adventure and, uh, I landed in Chicago um, and always worked in uh, with computers and technology and always tried to be leading edge and have my ear there because I was a marketing consultant with a focus on e-commerce and mobile. So it's kind of in my nature that I need to be staying on the trends right? So I follow the right people, listen to the right podcasts, so on and so forth. So I'm a little bit different than the average, um, you know, say lobster monger in that, you know, I just have this real tech savvy uh, in me. 
So, so that's kind of my edge, I guess. Well, that and I have a hospitality degree, so uh, so I know how to treat people uh, in food. So you have this amazing lobster, and the photos go viral, and it's at the end of 2021. How do you make the leap from a great story to the NFT? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I was really inspired by Hattie, and then I was further inspired by everyone's interest in seeing her and how she went viral. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's do something amazing with Hattie. And then everything that we'll do, we'll give 10% back to Marine conservation. So the NFT wasn't the first thing I actually am friends with the local brewery. And I said, Hey, I want to create an IPA uh, for Hattie. Um, and I'm going to create an amazing label. And I think people would be interested in this because she went viral and they're going to, you know, they're going to connect with that. So we did that. We actually now have an IPA that has distribution uh, in New England and we're working on the West Coast. Um, <clears throat> I had been uh, very interested in NFTs and crypto in the metaverse uh, for probably about six months or so prior to discovering Hattie. Do you have your own uh, hot wallet? Do you have some NFTs already? I do, yeah, on multiple chains. Uh, I, use, okay. I use MetaMask and Trust Wallet. Mm -hmm. and what was the first NFT that you bought? Um, it was actually Shaq Gives Back. Um, that okay. was my very first one. When did you buy it? Oh, when did I buy it? Probably like probably about a year a little bit over a year ago i think okay um yeah i think right when it came out i was like wow that's pretty cool and you know shack 100 percent of it you know went to his foundation so i was like yeah i gotta support that plus it forced me like here's a good cause and it forced me to because getting a you know it's getting easier but getting a wallet and putting money in the wallet crypto and and all that it's not the easiest thing in the world um there's a fair amount of friction um so i just kept you know looking at stuff and seeing why things were popular and yada 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 and then i finally said you know what i i messaged a couple people and said, hey, I'm really excited about this. Um, watch this and read this and then do your own little research. And then if you're excited about it, uh, let me know. And they were really excited about it. So I said, hey, I think Hattie would be a great NFT project. You know, one, you know, we can probably get a lot of media hits because of the project because it's super unique and she already went viral. Two, we have this Web2 business with this in real life utility of lobster that we can attach um, to the, you know, to the token and to the NFT. So we spent a fair amount of time just on the roadmap and what the utility was going to be and what kind of fun things we could do and so on and so forth. So that was a cool process. And about how long did that process take then? It was pretty quick, less than a year, because if you discovered Hattie in November of yeah. 2021, here we are in June of 2022, and you're already minting and yeah. the whole process, open for business. Yeah, the whole process was, was about six months. So we started in December, 
uh, and that was just the you know creative dumping of the mind and minds and then we um you know just started putting stuff on paper and then we started working on the art and the longest part of it was choosing um what uh blockchain we were going to work on you know mm. so that was really interesting and we took a long time we knew that we weren't going to do ethereum just because of the energy consumption and that's very important to us is to be on a sustainable chain that doesn't utilize a lot of energy so then we looked at uh, solana uh, polygon and then finally we landed on binance which is a really cool uh, blockchain. So if people are listening at home or out in the world and you want to check out and follow along what we're talking about, you can go to hattiesbayclub.com. That's H-A-D-D-I-E-S-B-A-Y-C-L-U-B.com. And you can see some of the great artwork. There's the roadmap, um, the introduction, all of that links out to everything. Uh, you know, it is an interesting question or a quandary, perhaps, for some, for an organization like Hattie's Bay Club, based off of you know Get Maine Lobster and a natural community, a natural environment, um, the water, sea, squaring that up against the environmental issues of cryptocurrencies and and the blockchain. It's it's a piece of the story that we don't hear about very often. And we certainly aren't talking about it when we're reading headlines of, you know, the $350,000, you know, NFT flex with the celebrities and, and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, it is an interesting one. And that was certainly a question that came to mind when I saw that some of the, um, you know, one of the aspects of the community is going to be giving back to, you know, some environmental, environmental and, you know, marine conservation groups as some as somebody who is now participating in the nft world and certainly has a foot in a very um environmentally uh focused business how do, how do those two things square up together i mean this is you know yeah. the future the future is now how do those things work together do you think from your point of view, because, you know, not everybody has one foot in the environment and one foot in the blockchain. I mean, today it's difficult, right? Because the, in, the, uh, <clears throat> the, technology the technology between the two doesn't really exist, right? And so what I mean with that is if I have a, where I want to get to is if somebody has a Hattie in their, in their wallet on their phone and, you know, I want them to get an added perk if they go to AMC theaters um, to see any movie they want. Uh, I work out a deal with AMC theaters saying, hey, I want this as a perk for my holders. And then I give them the smart contract, yada, yada, yada. And then the technology doesn't really exist on their end the way it needs to, where they can validate, right? That's a big thing with NFTs. It's all about uh, validation and then access to a certain utility. 
So when that technology comes, that'll be amazing. Uh, so right now, um, that validation is called a gated Web3 connection. So I connect my wallet to a website to then see what utilities I have based upon what is in my wallet. Um, so, which is awesome, right? And that is advancing at a really fast rate. Um, you can validate uh, your status and look at what role you may have based upon what is in your wallet and, uh, and then be able to do certain things that others simply don't have access to because they don't have that token, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So for us, that's a big challenge as a, <clears throat> you know, what's called IRL in real life uh, business. And we want to connect the two. So, and Web3 World NFTs is a global marketplace. And because I ship a perishable food product and have to deal with customs when I cross a border, that becomes difficult as well. That said, because of that challenge, that means that I now want to be able to supply our European holders with a, a lobster experience. And that is possible. <laughs> and it, it's forced <laughs> me to figure that out, which is amazing, right? So this Web3 thing, which introduces you to this whole other world, will enhance your Web2 business simply because you'll run into an obstacle and then you have to figure it out, you know? And it's something you haven't thought about before. Is that any different than anything, any other new technology or any other business growth? I mean, at some juncture, you business went from in-person to the internet yeah. or ordering, you know, uh, consumer business went to ordering online and catalogs and shipping in the mail and things like that. So, I mean, we are experiencing, you know, a technological moment right now with Web 2 to Web 3 and metaverse and virtual reality and crypto and all those things are sort of unfolding before us right now, which perhaps makes it seem more uh, impactful or revolutionary or, you know, the future is now. But at some point, you know, when, you know, Get Main Lobster went online, is it was it many of the same sort of you know, the thought process, the trial and error, how am I going to work through this? Is the metaverse make it very different or is it just the newest, latest thing that you have to figure out? The metaverse is interesting. This is the first time where I've seen um, a technology that is only limited by your own creativity. And, and so the metaverse, right, I can launch a lobster roll shack in the metaverse. And I can give token holders a discount to buy a lobster roll if they're going to a Jay-Z or Snoop Dogg concert in the metaverse. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and then I can, and this is what I was talking about with the in real life stuff. And then there's going to be a cool thing where real life is going to, you know, waltz with the metaverse. I don't know what that looks like yet, but it's going to have to 
um, because, you know, we are humans that do like being in nature. Uh, I know some, you know, there's some gamers out there that, you know, like to spend most of their time in virtual reality. Um, uh, but still, it's a requirement that they spend some time in nature, right? We're humans. So can we bridge the gap in a very cool way? I think so. Well, we are going to take a quick break and find out who is helping us bridge the gap from making a show to keeping it on the network platform and keeping the lights on and the mics hot. Did you know that Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and we run the network with donations from members, many of whom are listeners like you, grants and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. I'm Chaba Peribán, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. You are listening to Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is the metaverse. We've been talking quite a bit about crypto and NFTs on Tech Bites, 
If you are interested in learning more about those subjects, go back into the Tech Bytes archives and listen to episode 253, Dumpling Mafia NFT and Coin Cloud. And we also have How to Buy an NFT, episode number 256. Those might be some things to help you get on your way to buying your own Hattie's Bay Club NFT. If you want to find out more about that, go to hattiesbayclub.com, follow on social media at Hattie's Bay Club. And if you want some in real life lobster, go to getmainlobster.com and follow them on social media at getmainlobster. And I do believe that there are some really nice Father's Day specials happening if you want to celebrate in a couple weeks um, with either real life lobster or virtual lobster. <laughs> so I do encourage everyone to take a, a look at Hattie's Bay Club because the, um, the artwork and the images are just great. And it's almost, sometimes you see things that are just made for the medium that they're in. And, um, you know, I've, I've looked at a lot of NFTs. I'm sure everyone has at some point or another. And sometimes you see and it's like, oh, okay, you know, that's the digital image of the article from the newspaper or just the clip from the movie or the video. And it's just sort of testing out the technology and the one of a kindness. Um, and I get that, you know, we're still very early in the NFT digital, you know, digital token space. But when I look at these images, the illustrations and everything, it just seems like it was really made for the NFT market and the digital market. Um, tell us a little bit about how, you know, the artist and the artwork and how you came to that. And it almost looks like it should be animated, like it should be a movie or a show or a clip or something like that. It's interesting that you say that <laughs> because there is interest there. Well, just yep. super exciting. I'm not surprised. It looks like it should be it, everything looks like it's a still from a from a movie yeah. or an animated film. Yeah. If you check the social, we do have some videos blended in there of of, of Hattie animated. They're super cool. Um, the artist, his name is Johnny Kiotis. <clears throat> he is from Brazil. Oh, okay. Yeah, we met him through another project that I work on called Lobster and Beer, which is a YouTube show where they just chop it up while they're eating, drinking lobster, drinking lobster and eating, uh, drinking, eating beer, right. Uh, drinking beer and <laughs> eating lobster. Um, and that sounds like a heritage radio network show. Yeah. It, it's super fun. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they have great guests. But I really loved the artwork they were doing. They would have a show with a guest, and then the guest was able to um, give them a thought on a shirt design that they would then sell, and all the profits go to the charity of their choice. And I was really digging the art, and I said, I'd like to meet this artist. And um, so I met the artist, and I actually had Johnny do the IPA label. And I was, I was just blown away. I was like, this guy is, you know, so creative. So then when the NFT project came around, I was like, hey, Johnny, I got this very cool project. It's going to take us a while. And it's very different because when you're developing an NFT and if you're going to do, if you're going to generate a bunch of unique ones, then you have to have, you know, a core and then a bunch of assets. They're going to be different. You know, for example, with Hattie, 
you know, we probably have 20 different eyes that she can have or 12 different claws and tails that she can have or her shirt can be different. So uh, that was a pretty neat process. And I love our artwork. He did a great job. So then it's a definitely like a global collaboration, which is very fun. And again, you know, when you look at the artwork, it's interesting the way... Um, Explain to us a little bit, if you could, you know, there are 7,777, they're being minted. Explain a little bit the process of what actually happens, why you need all those different things. It's almost like a plug and play where you have, you know, a hundred different variables and you plug in 10 different variables to the hundred and then you start to do the math and then that's how you extrapolate out to the 7,000 different ones. Yeah, and then there's... Um, but what... What's gonna? Ha what happens under the hood when somebody goes to the Hattie's Bay Club and hits that mint now button? Yeah, through the art generation process, there's another thing called um, rarity, and that's one of the things that you know any project. Well, not I shouldn't say any because any profile projects that are doing a large amount of unique NFTs uh, should really consider adding some rarity for the holder because if a holder gets lucky and grabs one of these super rare ones then on the secondary market it's going to increase in value or at least it should so <clears throat> what we did is technically what we did is there's two you know <laughs> a multiple folders each folder has uh, that particular asset. So let's say it's Hattie's body, right? So you have the blue body, and then you have a magenta leopard, you know, or a blue tiger sort of print, you know, so on and so forth. And then you have the folder that's claws. So you have a diamond encrusted gold claw, or a silver claw, or a tennis ball claw, or a basketball claw. And that's all in there too. So, and all the assets are have their own folder. And then I create a rarity key. And I say that I only want there to be seven of the diamond crusted gold claws, you know, or seven of the tennis balls. And then with those, I want to provide surprise and delight on this project. So for those that find a rare one, hold them and collect rare ones, then, you know, we do uh, amazing utility for them, like lobster for a year, lobster for life, things like that. So it's pretty, it's, it's very different way of thinking as it relates to art. So definitely you, you, these are perceived as art and different versions, digital, almost like baseball cards or something like that, but there's a little bit of a randomness to it or a, a machine calculation to what the final, the final result is. Yeah. It's an algorithm that, that uh, generates the art for you and based upon the rules that you supply it. So fascinating. Yeah. It's really quite interesting. Um, so, You've just launched, and what are your plans now going forward? What do you see happening at Hattie's Bay Club, or what are you planning? Um, what are you road mapping? Yeah. 
over the next, you know, for the summer, the next year? Do you have an idea of, of where this is going? It's kind of hard to know sometimes with something that's so fluid and, and trend oriented. Yeah. Um, right now we're overly focused on, not overly, we're abundantly focused on <laughs> uh, providing value. So cool thing about this project for me personally is as I saw the rhythm work out in the community uh, grow um, and what they were interested in and what they, because the art is, is really curious. You, know, you, you see it and you're like, oh my God, wow, what a combination. And an algorithm created the combination. I just had the assets created. Uh, and then some ideas came to mind where I can add even more value. Because yeah, it was my intention from day one is to, because I do this in the Web2 business and it benefits the consumer and it benefits us, is this idea of surprise and delight. And that's how you build community. Um, so here's a real example. There's uh, a Get Main Lobster hoodie. So those that have the Get Main Lobster hoodie on their NFT right, which is totally at random. Um, the only way you can truly get it is on a secondary market, and we're not going to open up the secondary market for a while. Um, so if they have that one, we're creating a Hattie box in our Web2 business, and half of the profit is going to go to the holders that have the Get Me Lobster hoodie. And then we're going to look at, you know, one thing we're looking at as it relates to building community is, you know, mental health is a big thing. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I know people in the mental health industry that are doing cool things. And we have one Hattie that has a Buddha t-shirt. So I was like, why don't we create a monthly meetup where we can just talk about um, meditation practices, mental health, you know, all these different things. And, those holders that have the Buddha, you know, they get exclusive access. And I just bring on killer, killer guests. Um, so that's kind of where we're thinking now. And that's going to continue because the most important thing in the NFT world is to build a community uh, that is engaging and excited. Um, that's going to be your best tool for growth, you know, is really focusing on them and providing them value. It's interesting that so many of the digital NFTs and the digital collectibles center around community. Certainly the ones that are coming from restaurants and food entities are about, you know, giving an, a real life experience to people because that's what the hospitality business is about. You know, they think about, oh, you are going to be coming to my restaurant or you're going to be sitting at your table at home and you're going to eat this and you're going to come together and it's going to be... Um, you know, an in real life moment. So it's very interesting that there's an underpinning of many of the digital NFT platforms around hospitality that are very focused on community and in real life experience. But that's not always the case with the NFT and the digital space, is it? To actually have it lead to a real life experience at the end. No, I think that's a rather new movement. And and that was our intentional movement by design. And um, Web3 is happening no matter what. So 
businesses, small and large, uh, will be required to get into the space. Because at some point, when we talk about validation and access, it's going to be mainstay. Um, there was a university in Korea where the diploma is an NFT and you don't get a physical wow. one, right? So hmm. that in, shows you like, holy smokes, that's incredible. You know, Exxon, even though we're probably won't have gas cars for too much longer, but, you know, Exxon will be like, hey, VIP program, NFT, scan it at the pump, you know, and get 10 cents back instead of this card, physical card they give you. Um, you know, that'll, that'll happen, likely. Is it an interesting idea of almost robbing Peter to pay Paul, though, to have crypto and NFTs where the profits go back into something environmental? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and that's going to, you know, that's going to get figured out, you know, as well. Is it going to get figured out? I hope so. Do you think? You know. I mean, that's very optimistic of you. I mean, I don't know that technologies and new technologies are necessarily focused on that type of thing, especially if you look at, you know, legacy energy and technology. I mean, you just mentioned gas ca gas cars. Um, I think in the initial inception of the gas-powered automobile, nobody was really thinking about environmental impact. They didn't know. It's only later. It was only until yeah, later. It's like yeah. cigarettes. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's like cigarettes were healthy at one point. Right. Doctors yeah. did the advertisements. Right. I mean, if you watch Mad Men, you know, it, it was good for you. Right. <laughs> you know, which is baffling. We're evolving. Yeah. America is very, very young. Um, humans are very, very young, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's we have there's a collective, you know, young group of people. Uh, the Generation Zers that they're like, hey, we're not going to let you kill our planet. And they have strong voices. And as they get older and wiser, they're going to be executing and building technology that is not only energy efficient, but getting us to where we can, you know, save certain uh, aspects of the world. You know, you look at the ocean and why we want to give 10% back to marine conservation is because the warming of the waters is real. Um, is it natural? Uh, maybe, uh, but it's still real and we need to do something about it and we need to get plastic out of it. We need to build up. So one of them we're working is, is uh, Vieques uh, Conservity Conservatory uh, in Vieques, Puerto Rico. And, you know, they're rebuilding the mangroves that were torn down from the hurricane. And they're rebuilding um, the coral reefs. And we want to support that. So they're one of our uh, benefactors of you know, all things Hattie. And they have the world's brightest bioluminescent bio bay. You know, I think it's important to support that, right? That's Mother Nature created this thing that's just incredible. And it's a gift for us. Let's protect it. And a bioluminescence bay sounds like a great NFT. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, the funny thing... So many different things, you know, it could be glowing, the different things that are in there, the sea. I mean, it could just be spectacular. Do you have plans to do, like, Hattie in different environments or different things as you do these partnerships with 
different entities? Uh, yes, and but really just you know in the mind um, because we really want to focus on this is our first project and we have a lot to learn as a Web two business, not native Web three, and we have the responsibility to bring value and build community. So we're focused on that right now. However, as an entrepreneur, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of uh, a project where we focus on you know, what I call sea farmers, lobster men and women. And, you know, what can we do uh, for them and the ocean uh, in a project? Um, Hattie, right? So again, the only um, limitations are our creativity and some fun stuff has been coming up. So yeah, definitely put her, put her on the moon, you know, put her in a Tesla going to Mars things like that, you know, <laughs> really can do anything. We see her uh, building Hattie's Bay Club in the metaverse at some point, where it's just an awesome place of celebration of being, you know, rare and brave and, and bold. So, And you should be targeting her 100th birthday as an right. event. Right. Holy smoke, she's mm-hmm. got a way to go. Like really, really long, long legs. I know, but it could happen. It could. It, it could it happen. Could happen. So many things could happen, and a lot of things do happen here on Tech Bytes. We love the ability to talk to different people about what they're doing at the edges of technology. And, you know, to point, if you are a listener of this show from the way back when we started in 2015, we did all of our shows live in the Heritage Radio Network Studios to repurpose shipping containers at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And the hard, fast rule was guests in person, guests in real life, face-to-face conversations. Um, I was convinced that that was the absolute best way to get the best show and the best conversation with my guests. And then 2020 happened, and we all had to shelter in place, and we started doing shows remotely on March 16th. Episode 200 is actually the first Tech Bytes episode we did as a remote recording. And every episode since then, this is episode 265, has been recorded on Zencaster. And the interesting thing about that is still have great shows, never see anybody's face. It's all online. But the opportunity of being online and being able to connect with people like Mark, who is not sitting in front of me. He is up in Maine and I am in New York City. We've had people from around the world. Similar to, you know, Mark working with an artist in Brazil and, you know, uh, marine conservation in Puerto Rico. Digital technology, metaverse, all those things, social media, it actually does work to bring people together in a moment in time across geography. But on this show, on Tech Bytes, all of our technology always leads to eating something delicious in real life. Because at the end of the day, technology should just help us live better. If you want to have a delicious lobster experience in real life, go to getmainlobster.com. Follow them on social media at getmainlobster. If you want to check out Hattie and get some NFTs, go to hattiesbayclub.com. Follow them on social media at hattiesbayclub.com. 
If you want to follow Tech Bytes, we are at Tech Bytes HRN across social media. If you have an idea or a thought or a comment and just want to say hello, send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We are very interactive and we would love to hear from you. If you think radio and these stories and talking to people and listening to people across decades and across the world is important to you, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, and make a donation. Maybe give us what you will spend on coffee today or what your delivery lunch will be. It'll help us keep the lights on, the mics hot, make more radio. I'm Jennifer Leitze, and this is Tech Bites. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.